Well, good morning. Welcome and a wonderful Palm Sunday. What a great uh, time to celebrate and to uh, celebrate our faith. Good looking crowd today. Most of you, okay? Look pretty good. And uh, all the ladies especially look nice today. And I love uh, Easter as we get ready to celebrate. We find more hats. And I see some ladies wearing hats, and I think those are beautiful. And, uh, you know, years ago, I used to see that a lot. But uh, everybody tries to put on their best for Easter. I got tickled when uh, Sue was talking about appropriate footwear. (laughs) I've got some steel-toed boots, all right, so uh, I guess that'll work. We are going to uh, have a good fellowship. I hope everybody can be there for that. And today uh, is Palm Sunday, so we are going to look fast forward to Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. I don't know how many we got here today. I'd say 200, but... uh... Uh, I keep saying that 200. One day we're going to get it. We are. I'm going to be out in front of the church one day with dollar bills. I'm going to pay people to come in so we can get 200. All right. I uh, I know that when we look at Mark chapter 15, and by the way, I I went through and I asked Nedra. I said, "Where is Doctor E?" going to bring his message from what text? And she told me it's not Mark. I said, good. I said, tell him to stay out of Mark. (laughs) Last Sunday, Wes was preaching and and I told Wes ahead of time, I said, now listen, I'm preaching in a couple of weeks, so don't get on my text. And and I made up my mind that if he got close, I was going to stand up and and fall over in the pew. I was going to disrupt the service. So I, I think we're all good. Mark 15 is the story of the cross. And uh, today we're going to look at the message of the cross. And you know, in some ways, we have become accustomed to the cross. In some ways, we see crosses so much Uh, we have become so familiar with the message of the cross that in some ways it has lost its meaning for some people. Uh, Because we see it so much, because we are so accustomed uh, to seeing and talking about the cross, uh, we find it in jewelry. We find it on uh, pulpits. We find it at the top of churches. And so, we really see crosses everywhere. I was um, making a hospital visit one time with Philip and with Wes. And we were walking through the ER. And I tell you, I've, you know, I've just really seen about everything. And uh, things don't shock me too much. I just kind of look and you know, go on. Um, I will tell you this that you know, because I've seen so much and I've seen people sick so much, if I ever say, 
you're not going to make it, you're probably not going to make it, alright? Don't come back. Okay. But, but it takes it takes a lot to move that needle on me. But anyway, I was visiting one time with Wes and with Philip, and we were walking through the ER, and um, somebody cut their finger off, and so uh, they were holding their finger. And you know, Wes and Philip, they about passed out. Now me, I'm going, I want to see it. Where's he at? You know, so I walked over there and I said, yeah, sure enough, he's holding his finger, you know, and so, uh, but, but because we, we see so much, uh, we become insensitive. Uh, familiarity breeds contempt. And so the cross is the same way. Now before we get to Mark 15, I want you to take your Bible and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now the Apostle Paul would talk about the power of the cross. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, we find that the cross is offensive to some people. Now look here at verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block. In other words, there are some that stumble over the cross. They are offended by the truth of the cross. And what they're really offended by is the truth that they are a sinner and that someone had to die for them. So they stumble over that truth. Now, also in verse 23, the cross is foolishness to some people. Now the Bible goes on to say there, verse 23, and to Gentiles, foolishness. In other words, it is a foolish message to some. But then you find in verse 24, it says, but to those who are the called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. So Paul goes on to say, yes, He may be a stumbling block for some. And the cross may be foolishness to some. But Paul says, for those of us who are saved, it is the very power of God for salvation. Now, when you and I Look at the cross. We can sing, you know, that wonderful song, The Power of the Cross. We can sing about about the power of redemption because we know what's happened in our lives. The message of the cross is not offensive to the people of God. Now look back to Mark chapter 15. Mark 15, we find the story of the cross. It is the story of Jesus being led to Golgotha or Calvary. I I remember years ago, R.G. Lee, the great preacher, R.G. Lee who preached that wonderful sermon, Payday Sunday. I I remember hearing Dr. Lee preach that. And uh, you know, R.G. Lee would talk about the characters. There was Naboth who had the vineyard. There was Ahab the weak, vacillating king. 
And then there was Jezebel. Boy, there's just something about that name, Jezebel. Boy, that, that's an... Anyone here named Jezebel? <laughs> I hope not. Anybody here have a child named Jezebel? You know, you name a cat Jezebel. I'm like Dr. E. I don't like cats either. I'm not a cat person, but anyway... But I know a Chinese restaurant that really likes cats. But anyway, that's another story, alright? I know that was terrible, terrible. All the cat lovers, they'll be emailing me this week. But you know, when, when you and I think about Calvary, R.G. Lee had this wonderful uh, story about when he went to Israel. R.G. Lee said he always wanted to go to Israel. And when he finally got there, he said, when are we going to Calvary? And they went to the Sea of Galilee. R.G. Lee said, when are we going to Calvary? And then they went to Tiberias. And you know, if you've been to Israel, you go to all these different stops. Finally, they got to Jerusalem. And they got to the place called Calvary. And R.G. Lee just broke and ran and ran to the top of Calvary and picked up some dirt in his hand. And the tour guide said, Sir, you look like you've been here before. And R.G. Lee said, Sir, I have been here before. I was here 2,000 years ago. And if you've been saved, you were there 2,000 years ago. Because my name was written in His blood and in that cross. And so when you and I look at the cross today, we find a place that Jesus died for us and our name was there at Calvary. Let's look at it, alright? Number one, when you look at the message of the cross, you find a message of torment. A message of torment. Look at verse number 20. Mark 15, verse 20. After they had mocked Him, they took the purple robe off Him and put His own garments on Him. And they led Him out to crucify Him. And now look down at 24 and 25. Verses 24 and 25. And they crucified Him and divided up His garments among themselves, casting lots for them to decide what each man should take. It was the third hour when they crucified Him. Now when you look at 20, 24, and 25, the word crucified is mentioned three times. The word, if you look at the word crucify, or to be crucified, that word means to nail one to a stake. The literal word means to nail someone to a stake. A Roman, it was illegal for a Roman to be crucified. That's why when Paul was arrested, Paul said, I cannot be crucified because Paul was a Roman citizen. So, to be crucified was such a horrible death that the Romans would not even talk about it, much less contemplating crucifying a Roman. Now, there's a word that we use about pain that is really, really severe. We say it is excruciating pain. 
The word excruciating is an interesting word. It's from the Latin word ex, ex meaning out, and cruciate meaning out of a cross. And so if someone says they have excruciating pain, it literally means it is out of a cross kind of pain. Now, we find that Jesus was under this torment of the cross because it was prophesied. Isaiah chapter 53. If you got your Bible, look over there to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53. And look at verse number 1. Isaiah 53, 1. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Isaiah says, to whom has the strength, the, the arm, the power of God been revealed? And then he goes on. Look at verse number 14. Verse 14 in Isaiah 53. I'm sorry, not verse 14. Verses 4 through 6. You'd have a hard time finding that. 4 through 6, alright? Surely our griefs He Himself bore, and our sorrows He carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon Him, and by His scourging we are healed. Now, verse number 6, Isaiah 53, 6, that verse is the anchor of redemption in the Bible. Listen to it. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Him. Man, the Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray, but God has caused the sin, the iniquity of us all to fall upon Him. So, when we look at the torment of the cross, we find the reason that He was there was for you and I. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It's a wonderful verse. It says, but God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, if someone says, I love you, sometimes we say, well, how are you going to show that love? I mean, if you're a husband or wife, sometimes you ask your, your spouse, how do you show that love? Well, when God wanted to demonstrate His love, He let His Son be nailed to a cross. And it doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter how good you are. If you look deep enough, there's something in your life that caused the Son of God to be nailed to a cross. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Alright, so it's a message of torment. Alright, number two. It's also a message of tragedy. If you look back in Mark 15, you find there's a tragedy about the cross. A look in verse, verses 26 through 32. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. 
And the Scripture was fulfilled which says, And He was numbered with transgressors. Those passing by were hurling abuse at Him, wagging their heads and saying, Ha, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself and come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes, were mocking Him among themselves, saying, He saved others, He cannot save Himself. Let this Christ, the King of Israel, now come down from the cross, so that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with Him were also insulting Him. Well, the tragedy here is that you find there was mocking, there was ridicule, and really these were the enemies of the cross. The enemies of redemption, they really were saying, if you are the Son of God, just come down from that cross. Uh, did He have the power to come down? Absolutely. Did He have the right to come down? Absolutely. But in the mind of the Savior, here's what He was thinking. It's better to stay on a cross and die the death of redemption because in three days, I'm going to walk out of the grave. Man, what a, what a story of redemption. They ridiculed Him. But He had the power to stay on the cross. You know, that old song He could have called 10,000 angels. Boy, what a, what a beautiful song. Actually, He could have called uh, 12 legions of angels. How many was a legion? 6,000 fighting Romans was a legion. Six times 12,000, what do you got there? About 79,000? Yeah. Yeah. 72? I mean, just think about it. I mean, the power that Jesus had to have called all of heaven to have taken Him down from that cross. And you know, just, just think about all that He went through for you and I. I want you to look over. We're going to look at a lot of Scripture today. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. It's like a Bible drill today, alright? Ephesians chapter 2. You're like me, you've got to do this in your mind. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Look at chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest. Now, listen to verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us. Man, God being rich in mercy. A man, when I stand before God, last thing I want is justice. I want mercy. I want mercy. 
our reaction to the cross. It's a tragedy when we see the pure Son of God dying there, but necessary. God was rich in mercy for you and I. Alright, let's move on to the third thing. Alright, number three. There's a message of transfer. A message of transfer. Mark 15, verses 33 through 36. Now before I read that, let me ask you something. Have you ever bought a car, bought a house, and had a deed transferred? I'm always real scared when I do something like that. I want to make sure I do it just right, you know? Sign here. I uh, had a wedding a couple of weeks ago, and you know, when you have a, a wedding, you know, they sign three times. You got three copies of the marriage license. I'm saying, you know, to the bride and groom, sign here, line 20, all right, line 21, you sign here. And I'm always careful. I say, now listen, don't mess this up. <laughs> Make sure that you sign on the right box. Don't mess it up. This is your copy. When there is a transfer, and I always tell a bride, you're going to transfer your name. You're going to get a, a new name now. You're going to take His name and His family. And so, there's a transfer there. Well now, when it comes to redemption, there's a transfer. My sin nailed to the cross. I get His holiness. Man, my unrighteous deeds... We're there at the cross. But I get His righteousness in my life. Man, Christ is in me, the hope of glory. Well, look at what happened though. Verses 33-36. through 36. Let's read it now. When the sixth hour came, darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani? which is translated, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they began saying, Behold, He is calling for Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave him a drink saying, Let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. When you look at 33-36, through 36, you find in verse 33, there was darkness that fell over the land. Now why is that? Well, it's because in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Remember the old hymn at the cross? Remember the words, well, might the sun in darkness hide and shut His glory in? You know, there was darkness over the land because what was taking place, there was a transfer of sin from you and I to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you some comprehension of what that is. Have you ever done anything wrong and felt guilty about it? Well, sure you have. Have you ever done anything wrong and tried to hide it? Have you ever done anything wrong and, and you were on the witness stand? 
In other words, someone was questioning you and you were going, uh, mm, uh, 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 I'd like a lawyer, you know. I'd like to make a phone call. I'd like to exercise that lifeline. I mean, you're, you're trying to squirm your way out of it. You're guilty. The best thing you can do in a situation like that is say, yeah, I did it. I was wrong. I'm guilty, alright? Now, the guilt that you feel when you do something wrong, can you imagine having the sin of all the world from Adam to the last person who will ever live placed on you at one time? Can you imagine not only your sin, but the sin of every man and child that would ever live being placed on you? That's why darkness covered the earth. Because Jesus was in the process of having sin transferred to the cross and to His atonement. His righteousness is transferred to us. Man, I love that song, Power of the Cross, that the Getty sang. And, and I think maybe y'all are going to sing it today. But I, I love that song because one part of that song says... Uh, uh, see in His wounds my, my name written. You know, see, see in, those, in the blood the, the name, my name written. And so the power of the cross is the power of transfer. The power of my sin being transferred to His cross, but His righteousness being transferred to you and I. Alright, let's move on. Okay, number four. There's a message of triumph. A message of triumph. And that's verses 37 and 38. It says, And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed His last. And the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to the bottom. John, in John's Gospel chapter 19, verse 30, it says, Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, He said, It is finished. Now, after six hours on the cross, Jesus dismissed His Spirit. And I, I, I like the way it reads. Uh, verse 37, Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed His last. Literally, He said to His Spirit, you can go. His death was not that of a victim, it was that of a victor. And that's why when Jesus said, it is finished, it was a cry of victory. His death signaled the defeat of Satan. His death signaled the defeat of sin. And the defeat of separation. In fact, if you look here in your Bible, look at verse 38 again. The veil in the temple that separated the holy place from the holy of holies was torn in two from the top to the bottom. Man, listen. We don't need to go through a high priest. We have a high priest in Jesus. Amen. We don't need to go to someone to make an atonement for us. Man, the atonement was made at Calvary. We don't need to, to do some... Uh, some type of sacrament, all of that was taken care of you for you and I at the cross. 
Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2 says that our sins have separated you and I from Him. But when Jesus died on the cross, the victory was that all that was taken out of the way. Alright, let's move on. Number five, fifth and last. The message of the cross is also a message of testimony. Look at verse 39. When the centurion who was standing right in front of him saw the way he breathed his last, he said, Truly this man was the Son of God. How many people do you think that centurion saw die on the cross? Man, no telling. But when Jesus died on the cross, there was something different. When Jesus died on the cross, it was a different kind of death. And there is a testimony here of this hard-crusted Roman centurion that says about Jesus, this man must be the Son of God. And boy, there, let me just say, there is power in you and I sharing our testimony. Now, this centurion might have been the first there at the cross to share a testimony. You know, when you and I share the testimony of who Jesus is, people listen. They really do. I... Uh, I was amazed. Uh, Cooper, I, I was talking to Cynthia Young uh, the other day. And, and uh, you know, Ed and Cynthia are in our church. And Cynthia had some tests done. And uh, after her tests were done, she said, you'll never believe the doctor I had. I said, who was that? She said, Cooper Black. And uh, I said, well, how neat. And uh, Cynthia was talking about how the Cooper was sharing about his baptism and about how that I was the one that baptized him. And, and you know, when you and I get an opportunity to share our testimony, it is a wonderful thing. God blesses that. This centurion, man, he didn't know a lot. But this centurion knew that that one who died on the cross was the Son of God. Man, when God gives you an open door, share that testimony. Share your faith. Let me wrap this up today. What is the cross of Jesus? A stumbling block? Yeah, for some. Foolishness? Yes, for some. The power of God? Most certainly. Years ago, the turn of the between the 19th and 20th century. I don't remember that. That's too old for me. John, you may remember that, alright? <laughs> Early 1900s. <laughs> but you know, there was a strong Methodist movement then. Boy, the Methodists at the turn of the 19th, or rather the turn of the 20th century from the 19th to the 20th century, they, they were great evangelists in Methodism. And there was one guy, his name was George Bernard. George Bernard. George Bernard was a just a, a preacher and evangelist in the Methodist church. And he went out one day to preach, and he preached a sermon on the cross. Man, he thought it was just a, the best sermon in the world. And man, he preached on the power of the cross. And, and there were some young people that were in that church. And they were sitting in the back, and they were heckling him and laughing at the message of the cross. George 
Bernard said it broke his spirit and stalled his joy. And he went away, went out to a curbside and just put his head down and said, Lord, I, I'm just so frustrated. I'm just so, so taken back that someone would ridicule your cross like that. And he took out a sheet of paper and began just scratching, writing down some words. And here's the words he wrote down. He wrote down these words, On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross. We're the dearest and best, for a world of lost sinners was slain. And then he wrote on, doesn't matter what anyone says or heckles, so I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it one day for a crown. Man, that's why I love the cross. Because one day, we're going to exchange the cross for a crown. And we're going to say glory to the Lamb who was slain for You and I. Let's pray together. Father, I thank You for Your Word today. Lord, on this Palm Sunday, may we never be embarrassed. May we never be ashamed of the power of the cross. Thank You, Father, for the great exchange that took place. The great transfer of my sin for His righteousness. And for all of us who believe, the cross is not a stumbling block. It's not foolishness. It's the power of God unto salvation. Thank you, Father, for that. In Jesus' strong name, amen. Y'all have a great day.